You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I'm Tim Kapper, along with Cliffy D. Hey, bud, what's up? Hey, hey, hey. Well, oh, uh, man. huh? What? What? <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited. We're finally, we're back at it. Season five is alive once again. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And a couple of heart attacks and stuff like that, watching free agency, man. Oh, man. Oh. Man, it. It's the it's the best and the worst time of year, I think, for football fans. Yeah, free agency because it's exciting to see just how your team is going to improve, and it's also tough because maybe your favorite player is going to be on the move mm-hmm. for any number of reasons. It's like you said, the heart attacks. I mean, it's just oh, you're yeah. sitting there like with you know your fist clenched, like oh god, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Like, and all you want, all you really want is you just you we want you want your team to feel the best possible squad and that's where you really have to have the hope with your uh with your your, your general manager your scouts mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. make sure that everybody is on the same page and, and that this is their new. goal yeah, it's something new too especially this year with especially with danny mack being there and and him being open and saying they're behind the eight ball and you know and their issues with with the salary cap and you know so yeah something was something was clinching um <laughs> yep yep <laughs> uh, and, and then obviously the, you know the question everybody was wondering was how the hell is the hamilton tiger cats allowed to <laughs> how can they be signing all these players but no we're not bitter it's not a way of bitter saying it's like it's like how that you know everybody talks about how, how saskatchewan's cheating did, did i did i say the c word oh gosh i mean that's uh I, I don't want to say that hamilton's cheating but then again no. How the hell? Anyways, that's that's them, not us. I'm. I mean, unless unless everybody's going to play for the league minimum, which did actually go up this year to sixty five thousand. I but. know. I think that drew a few people back too, which I like these these new rookies throughout the league. I think it's what it drew them into the league too. So I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I agree with you, dude. You know, especially with the money that the. Anyways, this, let's talk about us. <laughs> that's for yeah. another show. Let, let's wait till we get we actually play play the tiger cats and and we have a result so uh well that's just it i mean like that's the beautiful in a way that's kind of the beautiful thing about this time of year is yeah you can add as many players as you want quite frankly it's just once training camp gets underway and then you got to start whittling down that roster mm-hmm. that's where things are really going to get interesting exactly exactly before we get to the free agency portion of the, of the show just want to mention that there were some uh something that we brought up last episode that we had to at least go ahead and make a an update to um, and it has to do with, uh, well, a few things actually, uh, with the, uh, I guess what I liked, I love it, Cliff. It's, it is the, it shows, and I think this is really the first time that we've seen something like this where the team made a decision. There was an, a genuine uproar. There wasn't one of these manufactured uproars, you know, on social media where, this person said or this person said but it's an actual you know an actual swelling of people who are just genuinely ticked off and the team backtracked which i'm trying to remember the last time the team actually did backtrack on a decision but they brought back 
for the good, the the cheer team. And I'm, yep. I'm I am actually happy to say that I'm glad that the team backtracked, looked at their numbers, whatever they had to do. I I, I heard there was probably a renegotiation of something. Probably have to reach out to maybe Annie. Maybe he, she could give us some more details if if possible. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad to I'm glad to see that we will have our women and men on the field on uh, representing us before the game, during the game, and after the game for the 2020 season. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I, you know there's a little part of me was saying, well, listen, I go to football games for the football, not necessarily for the cheerleaders, but a lot of people. And I'm, I'm honestly, I feel the same way. Like it is part of the entire game day experience. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't think people go strictly for the cheerleaders. I'm sure there might be some that do, but I go for the. I, I think just playing football. See, and that's always awesome. Like, that's it. that. I, I hope they never get rid of that. Yeah, but uh, as far as the cheerleaders go, I mean, yes, it to me it is very much a part of football, and I, I'm really happy that the Alouettes kind of reconsidered their their position on this and and. And have the cheer team back uh, for 2020 and hopefully beyond. Uh, again, I, I I still have a hard time believing this was a, a cost cutting measure because, I mean, I, I didn't think the cheerleaders were getting paid all that much, but uh, I mean, it they they do great work, so I mean, they definitely deserve every penny they get. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm I, I, at the end of the day, I'm just happy that cooler heads have prevailed and we're going to have our cheerleaders, and it's just going to add to the in-game experience, which as we saw in 2019. Things improved drastically for the Alouettes when it came to presenting a great product on and off the field. Yeah, the stunt. Team, and what the hell? I never expected that to be as cool as it was. But to, you know, for us to go with uh, you know, male, uh, male members of the the cheer team, I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. cool to have that stunt team. Yeah, it just adds a different dimension to, as I said, the in-game entertainment experience. So I'm I'm all for it, and I'm really happy that. As I said, uh, they've, they've re- revamped their position on this, and I'm really excited now to know that when you walk into Percival Molson Stadium, yes, you will see the cheer team there to greet you and to entertain you in between uh, TV timeouts and what have you. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I'm really happy that the Alouettes did this. Do you remember, uh, as I mentioned before, you didn't talk about it, but do you remember at any point that you can remember of the team making a decision and then backtracking? Not really, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean... The, luckily, like, I, the, luckily, the owls have not had that many screw. Wait, don't, get me, well, don't get me wrong. Well, the, they, they've had their rosters. <laughs> they had their roster screw ups. Well, I'm still waiting for the PR about them saying on 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 why they on on Johnny Manziel. But you know, we, I wanted a Mia Copa from that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't. There's remember. a couple things I'm sure they'd like to have do overs on, and uh, oh, for sure. But but to like a, a decision like this to, to kind of go back on, yeah. like to sort of walk back that decision, I I'm hard pressed to think of anything that's even close to similar to that. Yeah, as I said, I don't remember ever remember them being a, a public swell of outrage. As I said, genuine, you know, people genuinely mad. You know yeah. what? You know, French, not, you know, French media, just in, in French Montreal. media, English media, French and English fans. Uh, I was like, wow. And league-wide, too. That's the thing that really got me was mm-hmm. that it wasn't just people in Montreal that were upset about this. It was literally fans from all all over Canada were like, what the hell, guys? How do you, how do you get rid of your cheerleaders? That's part of your – that's part of the game. And there, there was genuine up, upset and genuine anger mm-hmm. about the fact that the LOS decided to cut the cheerleading squad. So that, I think – played a, a major factor just the fact that it wasn't just in montreal or even in, just in quebec it was the fact that it was literally 
nationwide that people were very upset about this. So I think that played a huge factor in them reconsidering this position. Yeah. And obviously with the good, there's bad. And obviously that's something that I found out this week. And it was, it kind of, we knew that it was coming because it was kind of hinted on uh, in some of the articles. I think that one of the most recent ones with, with Herb Zerkowski, I think it was mentioned. Um, but did the team did have to make some, some minor changes and, and unfortunately some, um, some, you know, some members of the, of the Alouettes, um, uh, some of their employees had to lose their jobs. Uh, you know, they had to make some, I'm sure some tough cuts and decide who they were going to keep. And, you know, even myself was affected. I, I, I have a, I, I lost my season ticket, uh, manager and uh, I have a new one going into 2020. So it, you know, things like that happen. You know, you have a new owner come in and you, they decide that they ha- want to make some cuts, you know, that's i said the cheerleaders were the start but it 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 was a good thing that ended up well but you know unfortunately i think i think some people knew that this was coming that the owls were going to make some cuts so the bottom line this year won't be as bad as it would have been in you know like i'm sure how it ended out in 2019 Mm -hmm. i mean change is inevitable unfortunately and it's so unfortunately, you never want to hear about somebody losing their job yeah. because it makes you wonder too about just what's going on behind the scenes. But again, with new ownership in place, obviously they've got a they've had a good look at the books now and sort of see, you know, I guess they, they feel they've got to trim the fat or you know, kind of oh, I guess that's good re- reimagine that's perfect, yeah, yeah. You know, they just got to reimagine how they're going to spend their money. So it's 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 never easy. It's definitely never easy, and uh, especially too, like you develop relationships with people within the organization itself, and that it's it's never easy. But uh, as Mark Trussman, former head coach of the Elvis, once stated, "Everybody loves football. Football loves nobody." Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, I said when we talk about. Uh, free agency in the Alouettes, and they were they were pretty busy. Um, not you know, I think it's busy as as any teams would have been, especially once it started off. There's always that frenzy. That, that's that's you know that's the plus with this new ten day, what is it ten days? Ten day window where you can technically uh, legally tamper. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but uh, to to cap that, uh, we were lucky enough to have uh, a returning member of the Alouettes running back. Terrell Sutton, and we uh, will uh, play his interview uh, in a couple of minutes. So, uh, finally, finally, we get him on the show. Yes, finally, uh, we were hoping to get it. We were hoping to get him on uh, during his first go around with the Alouettes, but it just never quite worked out. So, uh, when news came about that uh, Tyrell was going to be re-signing with the Alouettes as a free agent, uh, we had to have him on, and we're extremely happy that we were able to make that work and uh, we're definitely excited to be able to bring him to you the listeners exactly. i think you'll uh, I, I think you'll learn a lot and uh, you can d- just uh, just tell by the, the tone of his voice that he is very very excited almost almost at ease almost at peace knowing that he's he's home again yeah. you know, sometimes you can go home again and and uh, we can say and he actually dropped some pretty good some pretty good uh, deets there that we didn't know about so stay tuned it was a very good interview so Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Alouettes! And we're saying about free agency. Um, I, I, I don't know where would you start with this, Cliff. I mean, obviously we got some of the big names were out of the way already. You know, uh, you know, b- big play was signed to his his uh, his, his nice, well deserved contract. I know we talked about that last that last episode. But yep. um, what what were your thoughts on how free agency started for the Alouettes on day one when? Every it was just you know a free for all. What seemed to be a free for all in the CFL when it came to players 
players moving and moving and going. Mm-hmm. Well, again, once uh, once the noon hour hit, uh, as you said, it's basically a, f- a feeding frenzy. It's mm-hmm. it's that's the time yeah, to it's better get than free for all. Not- you're right, feeding frenzy is better. Yeah, because it that's the time to you. Ideally, if you're a general manager of a CFL team, you kind of have an idea of who you want to go after. And again, this uh, this ten day uh, legal tampering window, as I like to call it, uh, <laughs> kind of gives you an should give you an idea of who you should be going after and who's who other players might be looking at as far as uh, teams to sign with. So it kind of gives you an idea of what to expect there. Uh, but once things get going, uh, once once the noon hour hits, like that's the time to go. That's the time to to start putting pen to paper and the Montreal Alouettes didn't waste too much time. Uh, not only were they able to retain the services of one Ciante Evans, they also added in that same, uh, that same vein adding, or sort of, I should say re adding a former Alouette in Taekwon glass. Hmm. Very excited to see him back because when he was here in Montreal, his first go around, he was, uh, he was showing a lot of the, the tools that uh, made him a very dangerous player in the secondary. Uh, he went out to went over to Edmonton. Uh, you know, had a very solid, uh, solid uh, campaign with them, I should say. And once I found out that Taekwon was coming back to the Alouettes, I thought, "This is great. This is the this is the kind of explosive, hungry player that I, I thought was a great fit the first time around. And now that he's back again, like he knows what to expect when he's coming in here. And pairing him up with other guys in the secondary, guys like Greg Reed and Taylor Loeffler. Yeah. I definitely think, uh, and of course now Siante as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this secondary, like has the potential to really make something happen here. So I'm definitely excited to see uh, Taekwon back alongside with Siante. And, and I was concerned too because I went with the, all the players that the Alouettes had released because whether it been because the cap reasons or whatnot. I, I I was genuinely concerned. I mean, it's gotten my you know my concern isn't as bad as it was. But I just felt with that with all the players that the Alouettes had been losing before we started really signing some players on defense, I was just wondering, you know, this was the this was the this was the defense that really kept the Alouettes in games last year. And I was thinking, I think I what, did I text you that that two steps forward, one step back. I think it was I sent I sent that to you at one point. I was thinking we, we really need to make some. Hopefully, the Alouettes will make some 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 modifications considering all the players that they lost. But it's it started off pretty well just by getting back a, as I said, getting back a. Uh, getting back who we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not easy to replace guys like Tommy Campbell and no. Patrick Levels who no. were lost to free agency and trade, essentially, or sort of releasing a guy like Tommy Campbell and... Uh, and then staying in our own division when they get signed. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and even uh, Bola Combo as well, who was also a big part towards the end of the season. He ends up being traded to the Argonauts for an eighth-round draft pick. Eighth uh, round? That, that I don't get, man. Uh, <laughs> I'd almost be insulted, quite frankly, if I was Bo, because like, and it was conditional. Hey, we never found out what the damn condition was. We never did, no. And I guess it doesn't matter now. But nope. <laughs> but uh, if you don't think uh, Tommy Campbell and Bo Combo are going to be inspired to play against uh, the Alouettes after the, you know, how their tenure with his team ended, let me tell you so, folks. I think these are going to be some very motivated guys. And thankfully, though. The Alouettes are restocking that secondary with some very talented players. Mm-hmm. Uh, one such player that I'm very intrigued to see is one Money Hunter. Yes. Who has been absolutely phenomenal with the Edmonton Eskimos. And quite frankly, I'm a little surprised that he was he was available. I, I, I Again, I, I saw his body of work with the Eskimos. And 
he, he was actually uh, a couple times where they played against the Alouettes. He would he would lay the wood out on guys like uh, Vernon Adams and uh, William Standback, and he was not af- afraid to throw his muscle around. So that's the kind of guy that you want on your team—a guy who's not afraid to hit and be hit. And that's what Money Hunter brings to the Alouettes. And again, the name Money Hunter, like you expect him to be a baller, and mm-hmm. to see him in in that uh, secondary as well, along with the other guys that we mentioned. I'm very excited to see what uh, Money Hunter can do wearing Alouette's colors. Yeah, no, it's. I, I think he was probably one of the one of the bigger names uh, that were out there in, for free agency. And it's as I said, as I said to you just just a couple of minutes ago, is like I was worried at one point, but it was you know it was tempered a little bit, knowing that who we ended up getting at the end of the day. So it's uh, these guys just got to gel. They got to gel. Let's 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 get it. You know, let's get it going. Let's let's be a defense that will be. That will be feared this year, you know. So it's it's still a long ways to go, though. <laughs> well, there is. I mean, listen. There's again. Once training camp gets underway, like that's when we're really going to see. Just like it's it's all well and good to be able to say that you signed this guy, this guy, and this guy, but they have to be able to produce. Once training camp gets underway, these guys have to be able to step up and show that they can play in this offense or in this defense. And that's where this is where I, I really want to see who's going to shine more than anything else, especially not just the, the newly added guys, but also to the guys that have been here last year that are still on this team. Now that they've got to play with these guys, like I, I'm really excited to see what kind of competition uh, training camp is going to bring for, for everybody really. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it should be fun. Should be fun. Is it May yet? <laughs> God, it's coming. I swear to God, even with this lousy snow that we keep getting, it may is not too far away. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Exactly. But you also had to know, Tim, that uh, Danny Machocha, as a, uh, a proud Quebecer, mm-hmm. obviously wants to give this team very much the Quebec flavor that a lot of people think it deserves. And even though the Alouettes, every single year, they have the most Quebec-born players on the team. Makes sense because it is the Alouettes de Montréal. So, of course, you're going to have the most Quebec-born players, ideally. But there is that concern that, well, maybe it's still not quite Quebec enough yet, but... Also, too, those first couple of days of free agency, uh, Machocha made sure to put everybody's mind at ease and don't worry, I'm going to sign some French-speaking players. And that's exactly what he did. Managed to add not one, not two, not three, but four. Four Quebec-born players. And let's go through that list. He has added defensive tackle David Menard, a former Montreal Caribbean, so shocker there. <laughs> <laughs> For, former head coach of the uh, of the Caribbean, who uh, Menard played under, of course uh, he'd be welcome back into the fold uh, under under Machocha's folds. Just now wearing Alouette's colors as opposed to Caribbean colors. Uh, oh, and another former Caribbean in Junior Luke. Uh, and this one I'm really interested in because when Junior Luke was selected in the first round by the BC Lions, uh, I thought there was a lot of potential there, and I, I was actually a little disappointed that the Alouettes didn't go after him at that time, but. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, BC was ahead of Montreal, so I can't say I'm totally surprised that uh, the Lions would have tried to go and uh, try to bolster their defensive line by bringing on a junior Luke. Right. Uh, guy's a very solid player as well. I mean, he's registered uh, 25 defensive tackles. He's gone to the quarterback four times in his career. So, I mean, the, there's potential there for uh, this defensive line, which a lot of people were very much concerned about uh, going into 2020. So having a guy like Junior Luke on the team definitely is a, a shot in the arm. Uh, let's see, as far as linebackers go, uh, we've got uh, not one but two Quebec-born ones in uh, Alexandre Gagné, mm-hmm. 
who played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2019 and was a special teams demon for the Rough Riders. And last but certainly not least is, oh, look at this, another former Carabin in Frédéric <laughs> Chagnon. Now, also, too, another former BC Lion. What is it with BC drafting all these uh, former Carabins? I mean, do they know something that we don't and now we seem to know? Like, I, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Was Chatelaine with the team when they did that? Uh, oh, gosh. No, Chatelaine was a uh, former Rouge or so I don't think. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I'm just trying to, trying to you know. Anyways. I, 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 I'm I picking what you're laying down. I, I hear you. <laughs> but again, another very solid player. Uh, definitely got, uh, you know, got the uh, the special teams chops. And let's not forget, too, with special teams this year, like you're going to see that every year, especially around free agency, is there's so many moving parts when it comes to different players and their roles within the team itself. And special teams is no exception. Right. Uh we could be looking at a brand new special teams unit this uh, this year in 2020. So guys like uh, Gagne and Chagnol could be big players as as far as that goes. So, yeah, it, it's one thing to say, OK, well, they just signed them because they're French. I'm like, OK, yeah, they probably did. But at the same time, these guys can play as well. And they're playing important positions within the organization. So exactly. And I think that's what I think that we need. The, the, that's what we needed the fans and, uh, to, to understand. You know, we're not slighting. In any way, because obviously we understand, you know, we live in Montreal, we live in Quebec, we completely understand. But it's, we, I think we've seen this before with sports teams that not have, it doesn't necessarily mean having hometown players equates a good team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't so know. If I, I, don't, I don't want, I don't want them, I don't want fans to think that we're slagging. We're not in any way, shape or form. We're just, as fans, we're just giving our opinions. Right. And it's funny because, I mean, I don't know if there's that necessarily the pressure within the media out in Saskatchewan to sign all the Saskatchewan-born players or trade for all the Saskatchewan-born players. Or out in Alberta, is there that pressure to sign all the Calgary-born players for the Stampeders or the Edmonton-born players for the Eskimos? I don't think it's necessarily there, and I don't think it's necessarily that big of an issue, but it's one of those things that you just have to – Embrace the fact that these players did come from your region, yeah. and ideally, that's who most fans want to see. They they want to be able to support their own. Right. So I, right. I, I get that, and I think it's it's kind of a lazy narrative as far as I'm concerned. It's like, well, of course he's French. Of course he's going to sign with the Alouettes. Like, okay, no. but at the same time, you still have to be able to play as well. And these guys can play football. Exactly, and that's not the way to think. You can't think that just because they're they're just because they're a Quebecer, they they're going to you know they're going to sign with the Alouettes. It's it, as as everybody has seen, just by the run itself, with, with uh, not only the Rougeur, but with uh, what UDM has done, and you know, same with the other other French universities here in Quebec, we've made a huge name for ourselves in the country. These players mm-hmm. can play. Yep. So it's it's not a matter. I think you don't. It's not something that we're that you that fans need to get frustrated just because we're signing them. They were signed for a particular reason. It's just they, as long as they are a part of the mix and they can play which all these guys can as we've seen just by their stats especially when they were playing elsewhere you know they wouldn't have been drafted by these other teams if they didn't think that they could play right so and again just the the idea that yes in theory these guys can do interviews in french with the media i mean that's just that's a bonus yeah exactly yeah and funny thing is if a lot of people are like oh well you you just want to sign all the french people and everything like that well, guess what, Tim? Uh, we've got one French player that's no longer with the Alouettes because of a trade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was I was floored, floored by this one. I, yep. I, I, I had no clue that, that, that this was actually coming. 
None at all. And people are saying, what are you talking about, Capper? I never thought that we were... I, I remember the last time that the Alouettes traded a, for a kicker. Do you remember the last time they did this? I don't, it's usually... Uh, we've usually gotten uh, them through free agency or signed them because one of the kickers is not doing that well. They brought one in to spice things up at practice type of thing. I, I think the last... Uh, I, I, I want to say the last time the Alouettes traded for a kicker was when they brought Sean White on board. It's possible. I, I think that was the last time they traded for a kicker. I'd, but. Have to, I'd have to go back and check. But what's funny is considering that the guy that we picked up, Tyler Capena, he was on. He was brought in last year. He was with the Alouettes on the practice roster before the Argos picked him up. Um, but for them to trade Boris Bede? Yeah. That's interesting. I, I was floored, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I think uh, Boris Bede has gotten a lot of flack for his play. I mean, for every time that he's been brilliant, he's also had some... Not so brilliant plays uh, as a member of the Alouettes, but uh, I, I think towards the the middle of last season, like he really found his form and was actually just a scoring machine for the Alouettes. Uh, his punting can be a little hit or miss at times, but I mean, as far as actually scoring points, for the most part, he had been doing his job and then some. So, also to being one of the faces of the franchise here in Montreal, yeah, uh, yeah. just the fact that even though it's funny, he's not a Quebec-born player, no, but he's from France. So, I mean, he's. He's French, but he's not French Canadian, so I don't know if that played a factor in things or not. But I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't think so. It was, it's just it was just one of those weird circumstances. Like when you get the, we got the news, it's like what the heck? Yeah, we really expected. Yeah, we really expected that to that to pop that to come up. Uh, the Allies the mo- also did sign uh, American Ryan uh, Santoso. Uh, he'd also spent some time with the Owls uh, on, on the practice roster in 2019. Um, so mm-hmm. that gives us three kickers. Three kickers now, including Enrique Yeni. Yeah, I mean, that's... Our global player. Yep. So we're going to have uh, an honest-to-goodness kicking competition come training camp. And I tell you what, folks, that's that's going to be very interesting to see because over the past few years, because for any number of reasons, they've brought kickers into camp to sort of try to challenge Boris Bede a little bit. And when it was all said and done, he ended up still being the kicker slash punter. Yeah, yeah. Now... No, I don't know with the fact that Tyler Crepinia is Canadian, if that makes a difference or not, but uh, oh, I wonder. Oh, okay. it's, it's huge now. We lose. Yeah, it's true. I never thought about that. Yeah, because technically Bede was an international player. Mm-hmm. Well, not a global player, right. I should say, but uh, I guess now it's the designation's American, which is Weird. bizarre. But which is bizarre in itself. Well, I, I think that's, again, I, I would have to go through the CBA to find out for sure, because now with this whole global player designation, technically... Bede should be considered a global player, but he's not because when he started here, he was international, which he was because France is international. So uh, I'm not exactly sure exactly how it, man, this is complicated. <laughs> my, head, my, my head's hurting. Seven, seven degrees. You know what? Hey, there's always room for seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. So may, maybe we can figure out some sort of mathematical equation where we could figure out what the CBA is. You're seeing, you know, seeing the hangover when uh, Zach Galifianakis is trying to calculate uh, counting cards in his head. Uh, yeah. You see all those numbers flying through? That's me right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Boris Bede a global player? Is he an international player? He's definitely not a national player, but, well, he, made, but he, played in, uh, he played for Laval. Wait, oh, man. See, now my head's about to explode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I think we should move on. So yeah, move thank on. you again, Boris, for all that you've done for the Alouettes. And we're very excited to see what Tyler Crepinia can do here in Montreal. Onwards and upwards. Yep. And uh, I think after that, the Alouettes uh, were lucky enough to uh, say we were talking about the defense, too. They were able to sign uh, some more uh, some more muscle, as the Alouettes put it. 
they uh, they were able to sign uh, keep their rights, maintain the rights to Woody Baron, Bo Banner, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, God help me here. Is it Lord Hyamang? Hyamang. Hey. Oh, and sorry, I can't don't forget and uh, the defensive end uh, Adrian Tracy. So yep. th- those are some pretty, you know, those those are some very good names that they've been with the Owls. Some of them been with the Owls, and it's nice to keep them on on the roster. Uh, so it does does keep some some continuity. Uh, did I say that right? Uh, <laughs> some con- yep. continuity on the on the defensive line. Yeah, and uh, the one move I'm I'm really pleased about is keeping both Baron and Banner mm-hmm. because they're both extremely young. They both have not hit their ceiling yet, and. You take a look at you think about John Bowman. Like as of right now, he's still technically a member of the Alouettes. He still has one more year on his contract that he signed last season, but not a young man anymore. And you really do have to start thinking about the future. And I'm sure even John would say the same thing because he still hasn't given us a definitive answer is if he's going to continue playing or not. Yeah. Like he's yes, he's contractually obligated to play, but he could decide like once he gets to training camp that you know what, nah, I I, I think this is the end of the road for me. In which case. A guy like Bo Banner is someone who I've seen play in that same vein as as a John Bowman, and who can be that uh, that sort of dangerous element that the Alouettes defensive line needs. Mm-hmm. And Woody Barron, we we saw what he did last year, especially pairing up with Antonio Simmons. Like these are some young, hungry guys that just need that opportunity. Like a lot of people were worried about the defensive line, and with good reason, because when you're your your only superstar, really truly on the defensive line, is a guy that's closer to 40 than he is to 30 in Bowman, you want to know who's going to step up, who's going to be that next level guy that's going to come in and take over the reins. Because I hate to say it, folks, eventually everybody retires. And yes, even John Bowman eventually will call it a career one day. In which case, who's going to step up and take it? And it's going to be the guys like Woody Barron, Antonio Simmons, Bo Banner, and so on that are going to have to step up and reach that next level when it comes to playing for the Alouettes and being a part of this defensive line. So being able to keep those two guys, Banner and Barron, as far as I'm concerned, a must, an absolute must. And adding an Adrian Tracy to the lineup from Hamilton, definitely nice because he's got championship experience. He's been in the big game. He was in a big game last year. And I think even though he's had a few injury issues, I, I definitely think he can still be a very much a disruptive playmaker for the Alouettes. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with you. Uh, then also, a surprise is uh, we, we made, I think we made the joke a couple of years ago because of the type of game that it was. Uh, but we also added uh, depth toward the, the secondary. We, con- we signed uh, American defensive back um, uh, backs Kevin Fogg and Brian Blunt, uh, sorry, and uh, Devron Davis. Mm-hmm. I think everybody remembers Fogg because, specifically because of uh, just the highlights that he has continuously shown up for for the CFL. Yep. And uh, as a as a kick returner, mm-hmm. primarily. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the, he great defensive player, definitely knows how to get to the ball. He's definitely a ball hawk in that sense. But where he really made his bones, really, truly with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and even with the Argonauts too, is returning kicks, returning punts. Like, that, like the guy's got speed for days. Yeah. Now, again, Mario Alford did sign an extension with the Alouettes, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be the kick returner to pay attention to. But don't sleep on a guy like Fogg because he can still break one out. And if Montreal has that sort of one-two punch in when it comes to returning kicks and punts in 2020, like that special teams play that is so crucial right now. And we got a couple of rookies, too, who could easily uh, join that crew also. So we could easily have a three-headed monster when it comes to returning in 2020. Oh, yeah. And that's... To me, like especially after for years, 
I, I've complained about how special teams has been lacking with the Alouettes. And to be able to have now an explosive returner in Alford, uh, a guy who's done it before in Fog, and then a couple of these other rookies that all they need is that chance. You just give them that one chance to break one open, and they're off. And to me, that's I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how this is going to go. And to me, I, I, I just want... I want to be excited. I want to jump out of my seat at Percival Wilson Stadium and just watch more touchdowns being returned. With Alfred in the mix, absolutely that's going to happen. Oh, for sure. And, and with with Fogg back there as well and anyone else that's coming up, I'm I'm really excited to see what special teams can do for in with the Montreal Alouettes this year. For sure. And obviously, you know, it's, it's a pretty good segue. We're not going to get into it right now, but uh, we mentioned before that, uh, uh, you know, with the with – um, us having some, you know, basically losing our starting running back and his backup, uh, we needed to, to make some changes. And uh, uh, sure enough, uh, you know, getting a, a veteran presence like Terrell Sutton back, it was great to have it to, to have him actually re-sign with the Alouettes and for him to give the, a very good veteran presence when it comes to the running game. Absolutely. Uh, I think Montreal made a bit of a splash when they signed James Wilder Jr. to a contract. That was going to replace Stanbeck, but... We, you and I were both wondering, especially when Wilder signed, was who's going to back him up? Are we going to have Jeremiah Johnson again? Is he going to want to come back with the Alouettes? Because he, too, was sort of leading towards retirement. I know, uh, yeah. Ryder Stone, unfortunately, even though he was a, a great draft pick and ended up having a few nice moments with the Alouettes, decided to call it a career because of concussion uh, issues, unfortunately. So, I mean, you obviously got to take care of the health. That's, that's paramount. But then it does open up a big question as to, okay, who can we sign as a running back? Who can be that insurance policy that we need for, for James Wilder? And sometimes, uh, and it, it's kind of funny, just in, just in the way that he left Montreal the first time, it never occurred to me that maybe Tyrell would want to come back here. But sometimes you can go home again. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you think grass is greener on the other side, but turns out not always. And, there's just something about Montreal that that keeps pulling him back. Yes, he does have family now here. He does have he has been establishing roots here in Montreal. And as you'll hear in the interview that we do with we we did with him, Tyrell is Montreal. Yes. And just now that he's back here in Montreal, back where he belongs, as far as I'm concerned, to have him playing again with Vernon Adams, I am extremely excited to see what not only Tyrell can do playing with uh, big play VA. But also James Wilder, too. Like that that one-two punch that was so effective for the Alouettes last year with Stanbeck and Johnson, if we can get that just a similar success, and these are two similar running backs as well that can be able to do that with Wilder and Sutton, if they can provide that one-two punch, help VA make plays happen again, man, I tell you what. With the the choice that that VA made recently, do do we call him still VA or do we call him VA? Ah, geez. I mean... For, for those of you that don't know, with the departure of Patrick Levels, uh, the number three became available. And his first go around, big play VA, Vernon Adams, wore number three. And that's been his number for the longest time. And a lot of people were wondering, would you go back to wearing number three? Or do you stick with the number eight where you've you had all the success last year and it's a, a new beginning for, for you? Like, which way do you go? So Vernon was actually kind of conflicted. Like, he took to the, the Twitterverse and asked... Hey, should I go back to the three or do I stick with the eight? Mm-hmm. And fans had their say. A lot of people were pulling for the three. Some people were like, "No, no, no! You, you, you started something big and special here in Montreal with the, with the eight. You got to stick with that." So, and he labored over it. You could tell that he was really, really wondering what, what, what do we do with this? Like, do what, which way do I go? 
finally, the choice was made. He's staying with the eight. I love how he did it, too. If nobody saw his video, it was on Instagram and on Facebook. He did it sort of like how they how they do it in the states where they, you know, they have all the hats in front of him in front of you on who you're going to choose and which college you're going to that you're going to go with. Um, Mm It was, it was. I love how he did it. It was, it was a very unique, a very unique idea, and it. Uh, hey, it, uh, it created some buzz. It did, and I know deep down you got to be happy that he's sticking with the eight because you've got the eight jersey. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't want to take an exacto to my eight. <laughs> no, no, and you can only you know sharpies can only do so much, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> that, but you know what and it's funny because like i i really thought he was going to go back to the three because as as we mentioned like he had so much success playing for the university of oregon his first go around with the alouettes he was he was number three and i thought this was his, his this was the opportunity to do it but I, I think the number eight's really grown on him it's become a part of vernon and I tell you what, I'm. I'd be happy either way. Quite frankly, like he's our quarterback, mm-hmm. and he's going to be our quarterback for a long time. So I, I, I could care less what number he wears. He's going to be great no matter what number he wears. But the fact that he decided to make number eight, like develop something new, something special, and keep this going, I'm pretty happy about that. So exactly, and it's just you good. know what, the number eight is just a really just a, a completion of of the number three. This is true. If you think this is true. It, you know. Yep. So, yeah, I, uh, so we, we I don't got off on a little bit because uh, <laughs> that's what we do. But uh, let's finish up the with the the the, the two names when it came to uh, these transactions. Where which were were one was you know uh, uh, it was nice to see that he re-signed with the Alouettes, but also it's very interesting who we who was the one of the big splashes. I think probably one of the bigger splashes for the Alouettes in, in free agency. Mm-hmm. Well, a uh, longtime Alouette, uh, Martin Bedard, our long snapper, has decided to extend his t- his time here in the nest and signed a two-year contract with the Alouettes. And you, you talk about consistency, day in, day out. The long snapper position, it's one of those positions you don't really notice or pay too much attention to until they get hurt. Because it, it's a talent. It really is a talent. And to see Marty come back and keep doing the thing that he loves to do, I'm extremely happy about that. You talk about consistency being so crucial to a team success. That also extends to the long snapping because, again, it's not easy to do. And very few people can do it well. Marte Bedard has been doing this since 2009. He's been a part of the Alouettes for, you know, since then, 11 plus years he's been with his team. And this is this is the only team he's ever known and likely will be the only team he ever knows. And I'm personally happy because I know he's a a hard worker. He's got that blue collar mentality, just comes in lunch pail, work boots in hand, ready to go. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. You got to have guys like that on your team. And I'm really happy that we've got Marty for another two years like that. He's just so consistent day in and day out. Uh, I I know eventually the Elvis are going to have to think about the future when it comes to long snapping. As I said, it's not an easy position to fill. I'm seriously hoping, especially with Mike Benson signing from the Red Blacks, I don't know if he's going to eventually assume that role or if it's just, again, more competition for Marty when he comes into training camp. But right. uh, that is something that the Alouettes are going to have to think about when it comes to the future. But until now, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think that's what it comes down to when it comes to Martin Bedard is he's been so consistent year in and year out. That's what you want on this team. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very happy that he's he's back with us for at least another two years. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, what the, the big name that I don't know if we really saw this because you know a lot of these some of these these vets were were going back and forth, and I guess there was an issue when it comes to 
when it comes to uh, you know the cap and possibly what they could be at, you know, if they do get signed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Owls ended up with a, a pretty big name at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. CFL All Star Naaman Roosevelt, former formerly of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. Now I'm of two minds of this. One. I've seen what this guy can do year in and year out, and he is a phenomenal player. But I'm also concerned, too, because the last uh, big name from Saskatchewan that signed with the Alouettes uh, didn't quite go so well. <coughs> Derry Durant. But <laughs> I, I think that was just a one-off thing. I think I think Naaman Roosevelt is going to really shine here in the Alouettes offense. I like the idea, and he'll be reunited with a former teammate in Vernon Adams. That's true. Who who had a stint with the uh, Saskatchewan River Fighters himself uh, a couple of, uh, you know, many moons ago. Uh, the idea of uh, Roosevelt connecting with Adams uh, and playing alongside guys like BJ Cunningham, Eugene Lewis, uh, Jake Winecki. I tell you what, that's exciting. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see just how he responds in a new environment. I mean, he's still very much beloved in Saskatchewan. He's been one of those guys that you can rely on year in and year out in green and white. And now the fact that he's coming here and playing with the Alouettes, I'm really curious. I'm, I'm really curious to see how he adapts to Montreal. I'm curious to see how he, he connects with Vernon as far as uh, out on the playing field goes. Uh, again, he's I, 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 I want to say that he's pretty much in his prime right now. I think he's, he's exactly where he needs to be playing-wise. Uh, he kind of tapered off a little bit last season uh, just because the offense had completely changed with uh, Cody Fajardo as quarterback. So that meant that other receivers were kind of getting the love. But when you need a big play, that's where Naaman Roosevelt comes in. Like he's that guy that you're, you're, you're so focused on other receivers, you almost forget about him, which ends up working out in his favor because he's he's made some phenomenal catches over the years that just jaw-dropping, absolutely jaw-dropping catches that just catch everybody by surprise. If he can do that, hooking up with uh, Big Play VA, I'm really excited to see what Roosevelt can do here uh, here for the Alouettes. Now seeing, at least at the moment, what our receiving core is like and considering that the rookies that we've also come in, um, uh, are the Alouettes, are the Alouettes, and it really, could be really too early to say, but are we stacked at wide receiver? I mean, usually, usually it's the case where we have way too many quarterbacks, but we finally got that figured out. But you know, with BJ coming back, BJ Cunningham coming back from his his injury, you know, we having uh, uh, Gino back again. Uh, you know, we're, uh, our rookie nomination, uh, Jake Wickney, Winnicky. I knew. Hey, been off season. Um, it's I got, we're stacked, and you know, got these rookies coming in that really have a shot. Also, I'm just like, wow. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is too, like you've got. Like you talk about the rookies, you got guys like uh, Dante Ab- Absher, mm-hmm. who uh, was starting to kind of come into his own a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh, guys like Malcolm Carter, uh, Chris Osekusi, a couple of dra- young draft picks, Kion Julian Grant, too. He's, uh, you know, he put in his time on special teams, and these are guys that can really reach up and, uh, and make plays happen as well. So, I mean, yeah, the Alouettes really, truly are stacked at the, uh, at the receiver position. Uh, it's going to be a real battle at camp. And this is a good problem to have is too many receivers because this means there's only one football that you can throw to. You only throw to one receiver at a time. Right. But Mm -hmm. if you guys, like you've got guys that can get open and make plays happen and you see what Vernon Adams can do. If you just give him a chance to get out of the pocket and, and move things forward. If, if he knows that he's got guys like BJ and Gino going downfield and now you've got a name in Roosevelt, you know, flanking the other side. 
holy crap. Oh, oh by the way, Jake Winecki, who can be, you know, a, a nice, uh, you, you put him in the slot. Yeah. And he, and he, and he'll be that second, second down back or not back, but the receiver, they'll get you that first down. Oh boy. Yeah. And then as I said before, we get those rookies coming. In. I've already mentioned them and I'm, I'm high on them just because I've seen them, you know, uh, the Malachi Joneses and the, uh, and the Fabian Garris. It's just like, man, they, they've got a camp this year, you know, start off with rookie camp, man, for these guys. And then coming into the full camp, it is going to be, it's going to be interesting, dude. It really is. And I just, I just hope that these rookies do get a fair shot when it comes to, uh, uh, getting playing time and, and get a, uh, the proper evaluation that that they deserve. Yeah, I mean, especially at the national position too. Like guys like Carter, Felix Fulbert, Lucier, uh, Kion Julian Grant, uh, Chris Osikusi. I mean, wow! Like the, that's the thing. Like national receiver doesn't get a whole lot of love because you you almost feel obligated to dress someone just based on the fact that you know obviously you got you got the ratio to worry about, yeah. but yeah. you also want to make sure these guys actually belong in the offense. And these are guys that can absolutely ball out without question. It's just a matter of, okay, how do we get these guys on the field in addition to the B.J. Cunninghams, mm-hmm. the, 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 the Geno Lewises, the Naaman Roosevelts, and so on. Like, this is, this is a good problem to have. I mean, The depth I, chart, I'm sure, will look absolutely stacked once we figure out what, what's going to be happening. And, and if some of these guys have to go into the practice roster, I'm sure they'll be happy because they'll still be with the team. But, and they, you know, they can just learn from there. So it's, it, it's going to be very interesting, again, starting off in mid, mid-May for a, for, for a rookie camp. So. I, I, you know what we got? We got to get our in touch with our buddy Flash, uh, Flash Gordon. Oh yes, because he's the receivers coach, and he's got he's the one who's got to be able to. This is the talent he has to work with. Like he's got to be jumping out of his skin. He's got to be so excited for this. So I, I think we got to have him on to talk about some of these receivers because he's he's got to be looking. He's got to be licking his chops. Like oh my god, oh, look no at this kidding. talent I got to work with. No kidding. I think you need to go and buy that uh, that uh, that Flash Gordon uh, uh, bobblehead off of eBay now. it's detroit fury bobblehead and with us on the show this week is a gentleman we're very happy to to welcome back into the alouettes fold uh running back tyrell son hey thanks for joining us on the show man man thanks for finally having me after all these years yeah um obviously it has been a whirlwind for you over the past well just two and a half years itself but uh um, you're back in the fall, as I said, as you know, running back with the, with the Alouettes. Um, obviously it, it seemed to be a, a choice, obviously for free agency for you to come back here, but what overall, what was the, uh, what was the deciding factor for you to come back and to, to be an Alouette once again? Um, I think ultimately it was unfinished business. Um, I like to finish what I start, um, and being here pretty much the majority of my career, um, I wanted to get it back. I wanted to get the outlet back to the glory days. <clears throat> it was in right before I had uh, I had appeared here. Um, so that was number one. My con- my concern was unfinished business. But number two, um, starting a new family. I didn't really didn't want to uh, move my family around in those kind of situations. So being able to uh, essentially quote play for the hometown team was uh, also a big deciding factor with my family coming up. I mean, uh, how 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 hard was it on you uh, and your family when you got uh, when you got uh, shipped out to BC? I mean, did you, <laughs> at, at any point did you ever think that you were going to move the family out there? Or when when you talked with the wife, uh, but it was something that you're no, like, eh, no, no. roots roots are here already. No, no, yeah, never never once thought about moving the family out to BC. Um, it was uh, it was an emotional thing because I mean I had been here for six years already and really didn't know what that had felt like to to be on a different team to be. 
on a, in a you know in a different locker room in a different city and everything. And so you know it took me by surprise, but uh, no, no, absolutely not. Never never once thought about moving my family out there. My family grew here in Montreal. <laughs> I remember hearing a, a, I think you were asked a, 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 a question specifically when you were just traded. Uh, maybe it was on the Ron Peterson show. I can't remember what it was, but but I, I loved your blunt answer. And that's, that's why I wanted to, we wanted to have you on the show is that you're like, you know, you know, what's your thought about Montreal? And, and you, you basically blunt out, you, you didn't bat an eye and you basically said, uh, Montreal's not my team anymore. I'm here in BC. I don't care about Montreal anymore. I'm here to just, you know, I'm here to, to center on on my current team. So it's, it's, uh, wh- how, what was your, your thought? Cause I, I had to ask, I mean, what was your thought when you heard that you had been traded out to BC? Because I said, you've been here for six years. And I think Cliff and I did the math for some, for whatever reason, it seems that Montreal running backs are here between six and seven years, especially when you're the starter. But what was it? What were your thoughts? I mean, did you feel that you were being disrespected by being traded or was it just a, a football move in itself? Yeah, it was a lot of emotions going through that trade because um, I was I was I was a close to the GM. I was essentially I was you know I want to say friends with the GM, um, and I thought that we had this um, this bond to where I was I was going to ride with the shit no matter what happened, win, lose, or draw. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm 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 here for the team no matter what. Um, so when it happened, it, it kind of felt like a um, I would say a stab in the back. It, really did. it felt like a stab in the back, but. At the end of the day, it was it was a business, and so right. um, in hindsight, um, I didn't understand. I mean, I understood that at that point in time, we weren't the greatest team, so we didn't have that many assets um, to give away as it was, and so I didn't understand it because I was that asset. Um, so from that respect, it was great that I was traded because I was valued somewhere else. Um, whereas I understood that <clears throat> Standback had. Uh, you served me because I got hurt and, and injury opens the door for um, a lot of players in this game. Um, <clears throat> and so when I finally got out of the emotional situation with Cavis, um, I understood that it was for the best. It wasn't a stab in the back. It was honestly a great career move um, for me through him. And I didn't understand it at that point in time. And so I got out of the situation and, and out of the fire to sit back and realize that I actually had the opportunity to come back in free agency after BC, right. after that stint. Yeah. But my emotions got the best of me, and I decided to go elsewhere because I didn't understand why I was gone in the first place. Um, and I didn't understand what the coaches at that particular time would do with me if I had returned. I didn't know if they would cut me again because I didn't know who was my skill set or what happened, but I didn't think that I would um, want to go through this approach once again. So I teamed up to go to Toronto where I knew the GM, I knew the coaches, and so I thought I would have a better chance of making that roster essentially because I knew how uh, difficult Jack's playbook was. Um, again, I knew the GM. So I thought I had a couple pieces that would be able to essentially slide me in the door. Uh, but having that emotional decision is uh, landing me on a few different teams instead of just initially returning here like uh, like Cavis. Essentially, I have plans for me. I think. Is it bit of, bit yeah. of a long story? Sorry about that. No, 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 it, uh-huh. and, and it's good to hear because I was just about to say this is this is a side from players that a lot of fans may not you know know you, you know you'll hear the the Monday morning QBs just just spout on their their blather about this and that about a player when they and especially if they haven't played the game of football they don't know that how much 
how a player could feel in that type of situation. Because, you know, as I said, you've been here, you were here for six years, you'd grown with the team, whether the team, and you were, you know, you, you ended up being traded. So it's, it's a good insight for, for the fans, which I hope that they will understand that, you know, how, why a player can actually be kind of ticked off after they are traded, whether they show it, you know, out in the open or whether they, you know, you mentioned it to, uh, you know, a fan that you know or something that you know just, you know, in in public. So it's it, it's a good thing to hear. Right, Cliff? Absolutely. So go ahead, Cliff. Go. All right. Well, Tyrell, as, again, you, we started to touch a little bit onto your uh, your foray with the Argonauts. Uh, talk about just that whole experience. Like a lot of people, especially here in Montreal, saw the moves that Jim Pop and Mark Tressman at the time were making to sort of, it almost felt like they were trying, they were trying to get the band back together as far as getting a lot of former Alouettes on board with the Double Blue. Uh, when it was your time, like there was still quite a bit of that Alouettes flavor with the, uh, the Argonauts. Uh, did you think that was going to be an advantage in your favor or did it just feel like they were trying too hard to be the Alouettes or, or Jim was trying to recreate that same magic and it just didn't quite work out? I don't know what was trying to go on over there. Um, <laughs> but I don't think recreating uh, the Trestman era through Jock was, I don't know if it was his plan or his idea, but uh, whatever happened over there did not go the way that they intended. Um, so <laughs> that situation was just... Uh, Something where I thought I could just go and help a team and help them get better, but it was a uh, it was a loaded backfield full of young talent, and it just wasn't my time. It wasn't right for me to be over there, and they made a conscious decision to uh, to get rid of me. That led me to get to the furthest point in my career that I have ever been at. So, thanks, Toronto. <laughs> Well, it didn't turn out all bad for you. Eventually, you did end up with the Hamilton Tiger Cats yeah. and end up playing in the Grey Cup. So uh, talk to us about that experience then. Uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. Um, I never thought I would have gotten to that point. Um, not, not to say I wouldn't think I've gotten to that point, but um, it's funny how it played out because being in Montreal the entire time, it had been Hamilton who had been the, uh, the thorn in my side the entire time in the playoffs. Every time I'd been there, it was always Hamilton that, that always beat me to prevent me from going to the Great Cup or going further to the playoffs. And to get over that hump with them um, was a pretty good experience. Um, those guys in the locker room and that, that organization is uh, A1. And and being able to say that I've looked the fiercest competitors in the eye, is, uh, it, it's, it's amazing what I've learned from them after being with them on the floor for such a short period of time. And so basically the, the old saying is true, if you can't beat them, join them, right? <laughs> That and if you don't have a job, get one. (laughs) 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 All right, Sonny, let's go. Let's go. Let's rewind all the way back to your debut in the Canadian Football League. Uh, When you first came up to Montreal, a long time ago. (laughs) Yes, sir. So we're going to test your memory a little bit here. A little bit, (laughs) Sonny. No, this is uh, turning into an interview of "This Is Your Life." Talk to us about your first impressions when you first came to Montreal. I mean, you you were ba- you're based out of or you were based out of Akron, so I mean, you you know, Canada is not terribly far away. But uh, what were your impressions of Montreal when you first got here with the Alouettes? Well, the funny part is, is I was actually out in California uh, for like seven months before I got the job, and when they called me for the job, they, I told them uh, when you cut me because I had like four days to make the 
the uh, the cut because they were already in camp. And I told them when you when you decide to cut me, don't send me back to California. Send me back to Akron, Ohio. And my first thoughts were, this is uh, well at the time when I first tried out, it was where you could actually um, hit DBs after five yards. So that made a big difference <laughs> in the way that uh, you could play the game uh, than now. Um, so my first practice. I actually, I don't remember who I went up against, but I just kind of like boiled those through him because I had been watching the scene and understanding that like you could actually just kind of muscle guys a little bit more than you could in the state. Um, and so <laughs> that was my first practice and I just muscled the guy on the route. And I've been here for six years ever since that day, uh, seven years now. Um, but then being around the city and walking around and understanding absolutely nothing at the same time, while nobody cares to as to who you are, what you're doing, um, it's good to have a little bit of anonymity. So being in a new city for the first time was um, in a new country where nobody really cares what you're doing um, to the extent of you shouldn't feel ashamed of where you are, um, but at the same time, exploring that short enough place that you would have never thought before. It's... Um, it's mind limiting and it's, it's, it's scary, but at the same time, it's, it's exciting um, because I'm used to, to moving around from city to city, playing from team to team, but in never in my wildest dreams that I thought I, I would have been in <laughs> basically Europe of the United States. You know, there's no other place where they, they speak this much, this much French, this much these different languages and these different culture. And so I'm just glad I got stuck in this place. How many how many right. rookies have you has said they are new players that have come to the Alouettes or to any team that you've been with, uh, or, or really with the Owls? But where you've had to, I mean, have you had to give some of them the, your own experiences to say, listen, don't worry about it; it's something new. Because you got you know the, coming in rookie camp coming up this year, you guys have a few guys who have never been to Canada either. So it's do you usually give them a, a, a little bit of of you know, this is what you should, this is what you, you need to get used to type of thing? Oh, yeah. Number one is um, Montreal. These streets will get you, whether that's um, the food, the culture, um, the partying, the women. Something here can distract you from being a total professional that you have to be. Uh, because when you're a rookie, you have, at this point in time, whether you're coming from the state, if you're coming from the state, then you've been trained and structured to do everything at a certain time, on a time schedule, on a time frame. And so when you get up here, you have a lot more free time than you can think of. Mm-hmm. And and you don't know how to be um, a professional and do things on your own as a mature adult, then you can see yourself back down south of the border real fast. Mm-hmm. How many years do you think that it took you to finally call yourself uh, a a a, prof- a professional football player. I know you were signed by the Owls in 2013, but as you're saying, certain things you had to get used to. What year with the Alouettes did you finally, were you finally comfortable in your shoes, so to speak, here in the city? Um, I think it was maybe year two or three. I had really um, taken under uh, with his, his last year before he was over in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And then Brandon Rutley had came in at the same time. So we were kind of growing together. And so I think it was once I was able to sort of understand that maybe I'm going to be around for a little bit longer than uh, than I planned to. 
and just understanding that this moment isn't going to be here forever. So just embrace it and just, just, just take it off for what it is. Mm-hmm. So I would say probably like 2015 okay. is when I really understood what I was doing. Okay. So that really that the first year that you really broke out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and breakout you did because that was the year you led the CFL in rushing. Yeah. Uh, man, you see, see how things go inside, man? <laughs> so, you know, you, you have to understand, like, you have to do these things on your own. You have to take care of your body on your own. Um, and so I think that was once I, once I really figured it out. Yeah. So, so talk to us about that. Like just leading the, being able to say that you led the CFL in rushing, even though 2015 was not a great year for the Alouettes, you still had some pretty good benchmarks that season. How do, how do you find, where do you find that balance between, yeah, I want to do well. I want to prove that everybody that I belong in this league and I belong to be amongst elite players, but at the same time, my team is not where I want it to be as well. So where do you, where do you find that balance and how do you, how do you sort of live with that? I've been living with that for a long time, all right? That's been pretty much like the story of my career. So the only thing you can do is just keep playing. And then hopefully one of those, those times, one of those years, you just you put it all together. Um, I've always had the unfortunate mistiming of coming in with either a quarterback who I get one year because he's leaving, because he's older than me, or because he hasn't developed yet. Um, and so... <laughs> I don't know how many more years I got left, but I'm hoping that, like, this is the year where I get that experienced guy who I know is not going here. <laughs> well, well, this isn't your first rodeo with uh, Vernon Adams. Uh, you guys played together in 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. have, have you guys had a chance to talk as far as, like, since since officially coming back with the Alouettes, have you had a chance to talk with VA as, as far as what he's expecting out of you versus what you're expecting out of him? Oh, no, we just expect each other to play ball. We know I'm there to protect him. Uh, every single step of the way. I mean, we work out every, uh, all the time, like three times a week together. So we're always constantly talking and, and, and vibing and getting to know each other. So VA knows exactly what I'm going to take. He knows I'm coming in to, to protect him and to make sure that I get the PWR something else to take these hits. I'm, I'm looking at your stats here, Tyrell, and it's, and I don't know, what, you know, some, some players decide that they're, there are stats guy that you know there are certain milestones you want to reach and you know as you said you you're you made it to the great cup for the first time just last year you know you're you're just shy i mean you're within 900 yards just about 900 yards of, of reaching 5k in your career are, are you the type of player that looks at those different milestones i mean stat milestones or you're like eh, you know they are what they are um i think the day i used to but just being up here and maybe having gotten a I don't know, maybe having gotten a late jump on it, I really didn't pay too much attention to it. Um, so I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, I just won a championship. I think I, I got enough um, individual recognition over the uh, playing course of my career. So I really just want that one solid team go where they can't take my name off anything. Right. Well, obviously, there were some major. Uh, we've had some major changes on, on the Allison for this. You know, with this free agency this year, um, a lot of changes. Um, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your outlook? What do you see so far? I know you haven't, you know, it's, it's a little while until the, until training camp, but overall year, what's your initial reaction to the, uh, the group that you guys have on the, on the offense and on the defense? And obviously with coach Kahari being our head coach now, uh, as actually having that title, what's your, what's your, your thoughts and outlook for the, for this team in, in 2020? I think it's a pretty bright outlook. Um, for one, I think this might be what the first, 
you tell me, the first year that there hasn't been some kind of media circus going on, well, I guess there is. <laughs> well, yeah, new owners. Yeah, so new, new owners, wrong. new yeah, president, so new GM. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So I guess I can take that one back. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's the reason. Everybody's starting new. You know, everybody knows that their their feet are planted. Um, we know Coach Kahar is the the head guy. We know who the owners are. <clears throat> um, we know who DA is going in, and so we're building. And we know who the guy is on defense, and he not. So we're building pieces around these guys, and the culture is there. Um, you can see that the locker room spewed out onto that field each and every single play mm-hmm. um, to the fact that they got themselves a, um, a home playoff game for the first time since, what, 2013, 2014 maybe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you can see the culture is definitely having a change, and the city is definitely starting to to resurge and to, to renew itself, to reinvigorate itself into, onto the football field, um, coming in there and selling out games all the time. So I think that the, the reinvigorated state of this football team is what's going to put everybody over the edge. Um, on paper, doesn't really matter what what, what happens. Um, I was on a team last year, just this last year, my 15 three set all kinds of records, and we didn't play we didn't play well in the one game that we were supposed to. So anything can happen. Uh, this team did a great job of of leaning on each other and and protecting that brotherhood. Inside that locker room, and not not letting any distractions uh, spew onto the field, um, and so I'm looking for uh, pretty much the same thing. You know, I've I've been here through some of the darkest times of, of Dallas, and uh, hopefully this is uh, that silver lining coming through, ready for that sunshine to peak. Well, you were talking about the media circus. At least this year was a positive media circus, other other there you go. than years past. So. What's your? Uh, I know you, you you're with the Wet Nalls there. Basically, you're you know you knew them as the owners. What what's your initial reaction and thoughts about uh, about Gary Stern and, and Sid Spiegel coming in? I mean, because I said this is something new for you too. I mean, having a, a new owner for the Alouettes. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens in every season. I mean, I haven't uh, formally met him, mm-hmm. um, but everyone seems to be uh, in a position of trying to trying to write the ship. Yeah. Um, if anybody knows. Uh, this this market hasn't been making too much money. I think everybody across the NFL uh, knows and understands that, and so maybe a change of ownership is is what was needed to to, to turn this thing upside down. Yeah, uh, the West Coast did a, a pretty good job in their tenure, and like all good ways, they almost come to an end. Yeah, Cliff. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Tyrell. Obviously, you've you've been through this team through highs and lows. Uh, you've you've seen all sorts of things, I'm sure, in your your, your six seasons playing in Montreal. Uh, talk, tell us, uh, are there any good road stories? Are there any things that any any fun stuff that uh, fans don't necessarily get a chance to see that you'd want to you know maybe spill the tea on? <laughs> Even if you have to change names to protect to protect those that are included no, in the stories. <laughs> Uh, nothing too crazy, but I did want to give this um, this one story about uh, a guy. It's, it's nothing funny. It's uh, it's just it's, it's to, to show his greatness, and you you'll probably know what I'm talking about. But it's this it's this one guy on the team, uh, a legend, and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he had he already been up here for an extensive time, but at one point in time, he got um, he got benched during his career. <clears throat> For, no, for absolutely no reason whatsoever. No no fall off, no drop off, no nothing. He just, some of the coaches, I just don't know. He just got benched. 
But this dude showed up to work every single day, ran the scouting cards, ran practice, and did everything like the true professional, like the true legend and the true Hall of Famer that he is. And so I don't know how many guys would have been able to swallow their pride and take that one on the chin and show up every single day without throwing a fit, without at least saying something to somebody about that's bullshit, this is stupid, I'm not coming to work, I'm not coming to practice, because in his right, he had every single right to do so. But this man showed up every single day and proved everybody who who he is and how his character really is. And that led me will forever be that. And thank you for showing me how to do it. I love it. It's that. Yeah. Gee, uh, you, you think, Cliff, that they would have made a bobblehead of this dude? <laughs> if not, they friggin' well should because yeah. this is this is the guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, if you don't know who the hell Tyrell's talking about, then don't just don't bother listening to this podcast, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think y'all can read between the lines. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I think you know. Y'all. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> wow. <sighs> So Tyrell, now that you're, it's funny. I, I keep saying that you're back in Montreal, but I mean, in all reality, like for for those of you that don't know, Tyrell's been living year round in Montreal for the past few years. So I mean, he is pretty well a Montrealer. He he's 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 a part of our city now. So I mean, I mean, I'm still I'm still working on my residency. I'm still getting there. I'm not just I'm not there just yet. I was wondering. Not yet. I, I, I was just about to ask you that. I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> Well, it's coming, well, man. We, Don't... It, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's, it's definitely coming. Cool. That's cool. So, so talk to us about the things that you've experienced in Montreal so far. Like, you've already talked about the culture and, you know, some of the things about the, the French language and things like that. But talk about the stuff that you like about Montreal. What, besides your family, obviously, the, uh, that's born and raised here. Uh, what, are, what are some of the things that you would, if you were to sell Montreal onto people coming up here, for example, what, what are some of the things you would start with? You can eat anything you want. You can party any day of the week that you want to. You can chill any day of the week that you want to. There's things for every season, rain, sleet, hell, or snow. There is plenty of wine to have around here, if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Plenty of beautiful women. Plenty of cultures. Healthcare is free. The schools are dope. They're cheap. And don't nobody care what you do. And I married the most beautiful woman. <laughs> See, there you go, folks. If that doesn't sell you on Montreal, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> come, come for the beautiful women. Stay for the beautiful women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about uh, food, Tyrell? Where, where, if someone wants to just bump into you as you're going to grab a bite to eat, where, where would be the one place that they think oh, they could find you? Man, Subway. <laughs> Turned into Jared now, huh? Oh man, um, you might see me at Neo's over here on Jari. That's a good one. Um, I love the Bell and the Booth. That's always a good one. Um, Season Dreams. Oh, man. Uh, Black Black Strap Barbecue. My all-time favorite, Benny Hama. That's the one you can always catch me at, though, for real. Okay. Yeah, UVA and all the other, uh, all the all the online men. Yeah, always at Benny <laughs> Um Deville Diner Bar, that's oh, yeah. a good one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cool, they, cool. They make good alcoholic uh, uh, milkshakes, right, Cliff? 
Yes, I do. And uh, Tanner Marsh and I actually enjoyed a couple there, and uh, I can definitely speak to how good the uh, the alcohol milkshakes are. Oh, man. And in the wintertime, I'd be at Choco Bell all the time. Man, they got the best white chocolate, hot chocolate of all time. Really? Good to know. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Check it out. Yeah. Amazing. Do you have a, uh, you've been here for so long, Tyrell, do you, do you have a guilty pleasure that you care to let everybody know about? A guilty pleasure? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Benny Hanna, everything everybody knows about that when I stay up with Benny Hanna. Um, but like, no, not not really. No. I always think about the arcade Montreal for my little guilty pleasure playing uh, old school video games, so that's where I'll be at. Okay. You a Putsin fan, uh, Tyrell? Am I what? Are you a fan of Putsin? Not necessarily. <laughs> no? uh, I mean, it's just it's just Canadian version of chili cheese fries. Y'all just put gravy and squeaky cheese instead of shredded cheese and salsa. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, the one the one thing I the one thing I, I do I tend to well I always when people ask me about putsin I was like if you know what disco fries are it's basically the same sort of concept. Yeah. So I mean you gotta you gotta have the right fries with it. Mm-hmm. No, so true, so true. All right. Well, tell you, listen, man. We obviously, I know it's been a long time since we've been wanting to have you on the pod. We really greatly appreciate it, and obviously, we're again, we are stoked to have you back, back in the nest uh, in 2020, and hopefully, a lot more years, be, you know, beyond that. But uh, we really appreciate your time, you know, taking away from your family to talk to us. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at camp, and uh, looking to see what ready to, to see the the old Tyrell Sutton on the field again. Except he's going to be in a different uniform. Uh, what you, again, real quickly, what, what's your thoughts on the new unis for the Owls? Okay, let me let me tell you a little story <laughs> about these uniforms. Okay. okay. I'm going to give you, now this is an inside scoop. I knew about these jerseys before y'all knew about these jerseys. Because you know how? I did a photo shoot with these jerseys the week before I was traded. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> For real? That that's that's hilarious. I mean, it's not, but I mean, it's like holy cow. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. So I was in the uniform before they was in the uniform. Oh. Now, were, were these like the the actual ones that you guys actually do wear, or were they kind of prototypes? No, they was the actual jerseys. Okay. You know what? You know what? You know what's funny about it is the three of the people who they had on that photo shoot. Two of us got traded that same year. No kidding. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. So it's almost like a curse, these jerseys. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> That's good. Oh, That's good. Inside scoop, man. That's really cool. Wow. Figure out which two it was. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's go back and think about this, Cliff. There you go. Oh, That's man. That's the yeah. homework for you right there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Hey, but... Uh, one thing I was going to say is, uh, even though this is going to be the first time that regular Alouettes fans are going to see Tyrell in these new colors, I'm happy to report, and we talked about this earlier, Tyrell and I, is that uh, he is going to be wearing his familiar number 20 again for the Alouettes. So. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, bringing it back. All right. Cool. So, I mean, everything old is new again. I love it. That's great. Oh, oh, oh I like that one. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, again, again, greatly appreciate your time, and uh, we're we're looking forward to camp. Uh, camps, I mean, a rookie camp starts mid-May, and I think it's a week after that that full camp starts. Is that right? I don't know. Something sometime in mid-May. That's all I know. Okay, like May 13th <laughs> or something like that. Okay, yeah. You just roll up to the stadium. You'll be there. That's yeah. all. Good. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll be man. there. I want to find. Yeah. 
Well, it, again, greatly appreciated. Uh, obviously, thanks, thanks for taking your time out this evening, and uh, and uh, I'll make sure that I'm on time next time. So uh, <laughs> 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 it's greatly appreciated, Tyrell. Well, thank you, guys. You have a good night. Again, great having him on. It's been a long time since we wanted to have him on the pod, and uh, I still think I still think I, I swear. Don't we? Don't we owe him a sandwich? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we do actually. Uh, Does he take? I, I think he. Well, we talked about Subway, didn't we? So uh, <laughs> I, I think I got a coupon I can scrounge up for him. I, I think he deserves it. <laughs> you know, even if it's expired, you know, it's okay. Oh, they'll, they'll honor it anyways. It's, it's freaking Subway for crying out loud. <laughs> Ain't no Quiznos around here anymore. So I got, hey, there's one near Percival Molson, kind of. Sort of. It, it, in name only. <laughs> no, it's over. It's, it's, on, um, it's on President Kennedy in between. Um, uh, uh, Robo Barassa and don't know the next block. <laughs> yeah, heading east. Anyways, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great having him on. As said, it's uh, I like how he's, he's just so open. Uh, that's what I liked about Suddy. We talked about him, you know we talked to him many times before when he was on the team, and you know as I mentioned before, uh, as I said, he's just you. You ask him about his former team, he's going to say they're they're my former team. I'm I'm now with this team. I'm here to center with them. So it was interesting. Yeah. It was very interesting to, to have him on, and uh, hopefully we can we can have him on again in the future. It just won't won't take six years, right? Uh, I, I sincerely hope it won't take another six years to get Sunny <laughs> back on the air. But uh, I, I love it. He he wears his heart on his sleeve. He he'll tell he says what's on his mind, and he quite frankly doesn't give a fuck. And you got to appreciate that. You got to appreciate the fact that he is open, honest, and passionate too. Like you can hear the passion in his voice, and. Knowing that he's back here in Montreal, back where he belongs, as far as I'm concerned, and to know that he wants to get in there and he wants to he wants to be a part of something special. He talked about unfinished business. Yeah. He, he wants uh, before his career is over. He wants he's already played in a great cup. He did that last year with the, the Tiger Cats. But I think, and in fact, I know he wants his great cup ring when he wins it to say Montreal Alouettes on it. And he's going to do that or die trying. You really get that sense with him and. Mm-hmm. If you're not excited, folks, about having Suddy back in the lineup, check your pulse for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, one thing we wanted to mention before we finish up this week's episode, and, and it has to be talked about because it was pretty big news, um, is that um, for whatever reason, um, wide receiver Quan Bray, which we thought had a very good future with the Alouettes, uh, was arrested recently for what seemed to be a, a drug mule um <laughs> I, I is that the it's, it's he was arrested for for transporting drugs along with another current nfl uh o-lyman was an o-lyman yeah offensive lineman yeah defensive lineman for the cleveland browns and i'm like dude so the alouettes have gone ahead and obviously they you know they put out one statement and they said that's that's all you're gonna hear from us um that's you know they're going to be looking into everything, and as uh, it's funny, we checked this before, and as of taping the show, he's still currently on the roster as, as an active member, not as a uh, not uh, not suspended, not released. And I'm curious to know if the Alouettes, if they do release him, Cliff, if the Alouettes will do it very quietly, considering as he said, they're not going to comment on it or anything else. But uh, I don't. Uh, obviously, we don't know what what he was thinking. Uh, we heard only the one side of the story that was brought up by from the police, but. Uh, seeing a guy and considering I bought his jersey at the, you know, uh, I bought his jersey this year at the at the uh, uh, at the locker room sale. Um, 
you know, I, I thought he had, I thought he had a, a pretty good future with the Owls, but you know what? It's, I just don't know where the turn went and we, we really don't know what happened. It's just that, you know, it's, he, he won't be with the Owls in 2020 and he's probably going to be paying for his first deed for many years to come. Yeah, it's unfortunate, especially too. Like he was one of the bright spots, yeah. uh, one of many bright spots for the Alouettes on offense last year. I mean, he, he literally came out of nowhere and just dominated. Like he played exceptionally well. Like he and Vernon Adams had a great connection throughout the season. And yeah, like it was shocking, quite frankly, to see what had, what had transpired with him. And uh, I mean, people do things and we, we try to understand why. And uh, there's a little part of me that's like, okay, maybe he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. But it sounds like he's he was just in as deep as what uh, this other fellow, I think Greg Robinson's his name, the other yeah. offensive lineman that was part of this. Like he sounds like they were pretty much in this together 100% and like they're former teammates at Auburn. So, I mean, like they've known each other for a long time. And again, one only has to wonder what they were thinking, trying to transport that much. That's uh, a lie. It was 180 pounds. Uh, 157. I believe the total was of marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. I say this, and, this is in Canada. This yeah. Is, that was the U S <laughs> that's it. And uh, I mean, I said, I, it, it's unfortunate because I think he definitely could have been a star here in Montreal for years to come, Quan Bray. And, you know, his story is known far and wide as to uh, like how he, you know, his, how his football career got going. And the, coming up here to Montreal, he was sort of breathing a second life into his career. And yeah. who knows what could have happened. But, you know, it's just unfortunate things worked out the way they did. And, you know, it's 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 unfortunate, but... Not really much we can do about that. Unfor- you know, it's it's just weird. It's, it's, I'm having a hard time trying to wrap my head around it. And, you know, you, you see all the comments on, on social media. And, you know, of course, people have a field day when it comes to Alouette screwing up on something. So, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. uh, it's, it's just a shame because, as I said, like we, you know, we, we got to see what the potential that he had. And by and large, he just kind of threw it away for for this. Like, it's just. It's unfortunate. No, there's no other words to say, but unfortunate. It just it sucks. But you know, we we got to move forward. I mean, it's you know, as I said, the, the receiver position is so stacked here in Montreal. It's almost not even funny yeah. just how how many receivers. So it's just one less receiver to worry about, really, when it comes down so. to it. Yeah, I guess so. So it's I guess if there's any more news, if they, if the Owls do release them, we'll, we'll make sure that we announce it in the next next coming episodes. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the next episode that we get that we have coming up, uh, I, uh, even though it's not my for, not my strongest suit, is I know you want to uh, have one for the upcoming draft, right? Yeah, with the well, the CFL Combine is going to be next month, and then uh, the draft itself will be in May. But uh, we have to have a show you know, like before to, that, though, though, obviously. Well, we sh- we can have plenty of shows. I mean, yeah. we got we got we still got stuff to talk about. I mean, Stacks. and now we've got new. We got new Alouettes to talk to as well, so I mean, like we we got lots of we got lots of content for you folks. I mean, it's off season, but it's as far as I'm concerned, it's not off season for us. So uh, make sure you make sure you're following us on social media so that you can know when the next episode of the Alouettes Flight Deck comes on because we're, we're not we're, this is there's no off season here. That's I'm right. sorry, like right. we may not, we may not do shows every week, but we're we're still a part of this and we're not going anywhere, yep. folks. Yep, we're and we we still are currently at Alouette's FL Deck on Twitter. Uh, also, if you want to listen to any of the shows from the uh, from the archive, there are a couple ways to do so. Uh, best way is to head over to www.alouettesflightdeck.ca or head over to iTunes, Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, 
or Spotify. So hey, Cliff, uh, hey, props for uh, for coming up with uh, with Suddy for this week. It was an absolute pleasure, and to start getting back into the into the into the groove of things when it comes to the uh, uh, to the 2020 season for the Alouettes. Absolutely, it's funny because you know we we've got the XFL that's going on right now. We've got uh, I don't know if you had a chance to check out any of the uh, the LFA the uh, the 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 football league out in Mexico. They've got some pretty exciting football happening too. So I mean, football is there's there's no off season anymore, no. and that's great. Like I mean, the football juices are still they're still flowing, yeah. and I love it. So now it's a matter of okay, we got we just got to get that Canadian spin on it. So as far as I'm concerned, like we got to keep this going, and we will, folks, because there's still a lot to talk about Alouettes wise. I mean, not just free agency. Like that was a huge thing that we had to get taken care of. But as we stated earlier, especially talking with Suddy, is that this is a new look team now because mm-hmm. we've got new ownership. We've got a new general manager, new president, uh, new players to talk to. So, I mean, we've, we've got a lot going on now folks. And I, I sincerely hope that you'll stick around and, and be a part of this experience with us because we're not going anywhere. As I said, in fact, we want to see just how far we can take this bad boy. And if you want to come along and join us for the ride, we'd love to have you. Okay. Perfect. All right, so we will see you next uh, next episode. As said, keep uh, keep an eye on our social media um, for uh, when the next show will be. And uh, if you have any feedback, hey, please uh, please uh, DM us over at uh, the Alouettes Flight Deck um, uh, Twitter account. We'd love to hear from you. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron, final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.